don't you ever fart on my tits again. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Unpunka Podcast, where we like to talk about ponds <laughs> <laughs> and gardens. Uh, no, we like to talk about films and comics and TV things and today a book. Who'd have thought <laughs> reading a book, eh? People still do that. You can still buy books, you know. You can still buy a book. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Remember, if you're a first-time listener, hi guys, how you doing? Make yourself at home and press subscribe. All of you, I'm tired of asking. I know how many of you come and listen to us and don't come back. Oh, maybe, maybe this is why. Please, <laughs> please hit the subscribe <laughs> button. <laughs> you can follow us on all your favorite listening locations. We are on YouTube as well as the end one shots. And we also have a Twitter and an Instagram, and that's the end underscore pod on both of them. Poor crikey, what a mouthful! Right today, what are we doing today? We're carrying on with our month of appreciation for Neil Gaiman, and up next, it's Coraline, but. If you're a second-class Englishman and you live in America, it's Coraline. <laughs> so we started off, we read the novel, then we watched the film, and we also then read a graphic novel. But before we get into too many details, I'm going to introduce you to two of my friends. The first one is my regular co-host, and his name's Tim. Tim, how are you? Oh, dude. This last week I said I was never better as a joke, but this week I actually am never better. I'm doing great. I had a fun uh, work party last night, which usually is an oxymoron, but it was yeah, a really good yeah. time. And so really enjoyed the content for this week, getting up to speed on Coraline and all its iterations. And uh, good to talk to you guys again. Of course it is. We're excellent, aren't we, Tara? <laughs> yes, we are. We're good company. <laughs> We're so happy to have you here. With us. Hi, dear listener. <laughs> dear listener, yes. <laughs> yeah, dear listener. Well, that could be mass plural, though, could it? Could it be mass plural? That's right. No, it's true. Sure. It didn't really work. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just, I just, it made me, made me feel sad. Yeah. Don't make people feel sad, Tim. You bully. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tim's far from a bully. He's the least. What's the opposite of a bully, Tara? Uh, lovable. Just lovableness. I don't know what's the absolute yeah. Well, I feel like the there's sweetest. a gap in the there's a gap in the lexicon. We need to get to work on this. We need to come up with a what? Well, what would it be? Uh, a lubby, a lubby. That's what I'm going to call it. Tim's a, okay. a lovey. He's a lovey. There we go. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's from the book. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <Is> that... <laughs> well, Miss Finch calls Coraline lovey. Oh, does she? Oh, yeah. Oh, Sorry. okay. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I felt like I was suddenly about to tell children to simmer down. All right. Okay. All right, guys. We've had a fun. Right. Come on. We need to get this done before we can leave the house. <laughs> I suppose a good place to start is have you a previous relationship with Coraline? Only the film, which I saw in the theater back in 2009. And I really liked it back then. I liked it again. I never read the, obviously, read, never read the novel. Although I did buy the novel at the time. So I have a somewhat older copy. I just never got around mm. to reading it. And I didn't even know there was a comic adaptation, but it stands to reason there would be. But no, I mean, other than the movie, I didn't really have any relationship with it at all. And in fact, this is only the second time I've seen it. I watched it once in the theater. I kind of never returned to it. So this is getting back up to speed with it. So 
Yeah. Well, I don't really have a past relationship with Coraline, but what I accidentally had was I realized, well, this week that when I watched the, I, what I thought I saw of the movie was actually my memory of Matilda. <laughs> so oh. I went, I took a left at Roald Dahl apparently. And so this was all new to me. Um, all the versions were new to me and I just didn't realize they were mm. until I got into the details. I, I had no relationship with this material at all. So I was quite enthusiastic about it following mm -hmm. our epic episodes from Sandman and the thing we did after Sandman, which was also <laughs> Neil Gaiman. <laughs> 1602, to be exact. Yes, if we're going to have to be exact, <laughs> I suppose you may call it that. <laughs> uh, so I was pretty excited because this is, it's an intriguing part of the zeitgeist, isn't it? Especially with the tones and the meanderings that, that Gaiman takes us on his voyage into the fantastical. And I think this kind of hit all the notes that we'd seen previously, if not with the reliance on the historical. I enjoyed it very much. I mean, some of the content more than others, but. And you know what I enjoyed is that the, in general, each of the different, you know, the novel, the film, the, the comic weren't identical. Each added a little bit or took away a little bit, but was different enough that I thought that um, each were worth consuming. So I liked I liked that. And I liked consuming them all in one sort of sitting so you could really do a deep comparison. So I liked the content and I had a fun experience doing it. So yes, I did like it. I would say as a exercise, I enjoyed the process. However, I never <laughs> want to read the same thing three times in a row again. Yeah. Or consume it <laughs> ever, ever again, <laughs> ever again. I did it just one after the other. Oh, just there was boom, 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 boom. Exactly. I want you in my room. We'll spend the night together. <laughs> From now until forever. Boom, 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 boom. Music. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's just the weekly schedule, isn't it? I don't think there was any other way to possibly have consumed it in a week. Yeah, and it's not something so. extend out to two weeks. That's not the nature of this content. So if you're going to do it, you got to do it in one week. You've got to do it in one week, Tim. That's the rule. That's yeah. rule number one, baby. That's right. <laughs> you got, got to do it in a week. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> I enjoyed it as well. And yeah, I did the same thing. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> no time <laughs> in between. And um... <laughs> go ahead, sing it again. <laughs> no, no. That's just... Okay. That's only for special occasions and weddings. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll wait till the next special occasion then. But yeah, um, and I guess it goes without saying. I accidentally gave away my first comment, which is that it really did make me want to go back and read some Roald Dahl too. Yeah, if I'm saying his name correctly. But yeah, mm. but Gaiman brings a different a different sort of thing to it. I just think it's nice there was an author making a children's book that was a bit dark. Yes. In the novel specifically. In this wrath of celebrities, they put their name to anything these days, and it's just fashionable for them to have a children's book now, isn't it? And I don't know, some of them yeah. are pretty good. They're like bestsellers and whatnot. But I mean, are they really? Or is it just that everybody knows who David Walliams is? So or Madonna or or fucking Gwyneth Paltrow or whoever it may be <laughs> this time. Mm-hmm. We may have been a bit disingenuous because, I mean, they read enough scripts, don't they? That there are still performing stories and without a general awareness of how they work. But this was a great exploration of how children can have a solitary existence, if you know what I mean, totally. and, and the coping mechanisms of that. So just to give a little bit of a background to the, to the whole thing. Coraline, uh, moving into a new house, with her parents, of course, because uh, she's only young. What, she's 12 years old? She's, 12 years she's old. nine in the book, I think. Nine, if I, I think she's nine. Okay, nine. She's nine in the book. Born in 1990, I heard. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Nine, 1990. And there's mysterious goings on in this house. It's a shared house. It's been split into different flats. 
and mm-hmm. these eccentric neighbours who are just around the corner who will have their own idiosyncrasies and peculiarities, peculiar, I mean, peculiar, pe- 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 um, <laughs> that they're, thing. They're, they're, they're they're peculiar. Yeah, they, yeah. They have weirdness. Yeah, Peculi- peculiarity. Yeah, I said it right the first time. That's a word. Yeah, it's definitely a word. It's just hard to say. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> it's that beautiful glass of ice cold water that I consumed. It's got me giddy. <laughs> too. And I made them watch me in a very voyeuristic exercise of glugging <laughs> an ice cold, delicious <laughs> glass of water. Life's just underrated gift to us all at this time of year as i was saying before we started recording there's just something about tap water when you've got minus temperatures outside it's just <laughs> it's just delicious it's crisp oh it's crisp. right it's <laughs> exciting i would say even you know a little bit daring <laughs> <laughs> Coralie. So she's in this big old house and the parents are working away like mad and they ain't got no time for her. And it's raining and, and she's going out exploring and it's raining. And they're just saying, well, you can't go outside because it's raining, Coraline. What are you talking about, woman? It's raining outside. You can't go outside. So she starts exploring the house and in the house there's a little door, a mysterious door. And do you know what's behind that door, Tara? Mm, bricks it's nothing but a wall (laughs) (laughs) yep it's nothing but a fucking wall until it's not just a wall (laughs) 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 and it's a tunnel into another it's an entrance a pathway to a different part of the house where she finds her other mum and other dad and that's not like um yeah, she weren't adopted, right? But it was kind of like they are Xeroxes, they're analogs for the actual parents, except they're perfect and they always say yes, and it's always nice food and there's loads of toys. And she's just loving it, isn't she, at that point, Tim? Loving it. Oh, yeah. She gets, she, she, in real life, she hates her dad's cooking. In this life, <laughs> other mother cooks like delicious food. They're really not, they have time for her. Yeah. The fucking the, vegan um, parents. Fucking, yeah, fucking yeah. vegan parents. Tips is tapping on like, the fucking computer. Don't go yeah, in the rain, Coralie. Like, Don't go in the fucking rain. It's raining, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, Lots to so like yeah, about. she loves it. Like she's able to explore and this new world. It's very, it's comparatively very vibrant. Quite fantastical, is it not, Tim? Yes, mm-hmm. it is fantastical. So in the in the real world, the gardens sort of dilapidated and weeds running amok weeds 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 in the other mother's world the parallel universe it's beautiful and cultivated and everything's a little bit you know one of the motifs or the themes is this the idea of mirrors there's mirror images of things this is a a mirror of her real world that is ever so slightly different but different in meaningful ways so yeah yeah yes not least buttons for eyes Yes, yes, right. Big black shiny buttons that are most definitely sewn on, and everything mm-hmm. seems to be going swimmingly at this point. And she goes back, and she's terrible parents. No, they're not. They're just busy, aren't they? They're working to they're a just deadline. Regular. They've got stuff yeah. to do. They're just parents. Well, it's during the fucking workday. Of course, they're working. It's what are they supposed to they're do? Working? Yeah. <laughs> well, not going out in the rain. That's for sure. They made that pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So, so she spends more and more time in this other other house, other parents. Other realm. But, realm, yeah, that's but good. it all gets a bit dark, doesn't it, Tim? And they and they say, We want you to stay here. And then she runs away, she goes back, and the parents are gone. And she's like, Well, oh, it's almost like it's it's your classic home alone, isn't it? Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. And you know, you can stay here forever on one condition, which is you need to sew buttons for yeah. your eyes. Yeah. So she's like, uh, she's like, hell no, yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Get the fucking keep your buttons, you fucking keep your button fucking face buttons. bastard. You but you button eyed right. bitch. Keep them. That's right. <clears throat> How did you feel about all this? 
did you think this was the fantastical workings of mm -hmm. a young girl's mind occupying herself the best way she could, concocting this whole story for her own entertainment? Or indeed, did you think that there was another realm? Or indeed, does it even... Is it even something we need to ask? Do we just enjoy it in all its flavor and color? I don't think it matters, but I do think that it's the product of her mind, her imagination. I don't really have textual clues for that exactly, but yeah, it does fit with, I mean, there may be, I just didn't, I didn't detect them. I wasn't really looking for them. There must be because I ended up at that conclusion that it's really her mind, it does fit with the themes and the motifs of the book about how, you know, kids will, kids require attention from their parents at all times. And any lack of that is going to be not traumatic, but a problem for them. And, you know, she's in a new place. It's scary. It's, un, it's yeah. weird. And she's creating this alternative um, universe to surpass the time and to entertain herself and to process her feelings ultimately so i thought it was that rather than an actual alternative realm i don't know what do you guys think change is scary isn't it even as adults mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i think we even in your adult mind can play tricks on you and sure. make you totally. feel things about things that are inanimate or statically positioned and we can I mean, the amount of times I've run downstairs in the middle of the night trying to catch the ghosts since I've been in my house. <laughs> yeah, well, it's well, like, I, this is to a, be fair, though, yeah. on one occasion, there were footsteps. There were genuine mm. footsteps, like proper footsteps. And my house is like 700 really? years old. Yeah, fucking oh, wow. 100%. It was like downstairs. 100% I heard it. Now, for me, my mind's thinking, I don't believe in ghosts or any of that shit. I don't. But... There's nothing, when I hear that, I'm not going to go and investigate and, and, and I'm also going to be shit in my pants. My whole thing with that sort of element of what you, how your mind can play tricks on you is if that's the extent of ghosts' powers, just making a bit of a noise, it's just a bit mm -hmm. of an inconvenience, isn't it, when you're trying to get to sleep? I mean, really, mm -hmm. if you're going to do that, just write something down. Just say like, hi, it's the ghost. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll be I'll be back tomorrow. My friend Dean reckons that he um he gets followed around by this demon sort of thing. Sometimes he'd hear something happening in the garage, like rumbling and whatnot. He'd run downstairs, turning all the lights on. As he went down, the lights would turn off behind him. Ooh. Yeah. Oh wow. TVs and radios would just turn on in the middle of the night and all this sort of thing. You said you should have died your spine, despite Makes the wonder, fact I'm, yeah. a, I'm a bit like, yeah, whatever. These things can happen, I imagine. There, there, there must be an explanation. And then he yeah. came to live with me. <laughs> <laughs> and his bedroom door kept on banging. Kept on banging. I went, fuck's sake, he's left the window open. So I've got in, there's no window open. So I'm like, all right, fair enough. I leave the door fully open. And I just go like this. Is that all you fucking got? Is that it? <laughs> fucking a little fuck. It's just annoying. That's all it is. It's just annoying. Pack it the fucking or do something worthwhile. Literally at that moment, the door slams shut. Like slams uh, fucking shut. I would fucking evict your friend uh, immediately. Yeah. Yeah, well, thankfully, he got his, he got his ex-missus pregnant, so he had to be back in with her. <laughs> yeah. That'll do it. Well, back to the matter at hand, then. Well, uh, back to the matter at hand. She creates, in a sense, she creates her own nightmare, and Gaiman has something to say about this, which is that, you know, nightmares serve a purpose. And the purpose is they make you appreciate the reality that you have. You know, you're always happy and relieved to wake up from a nightmare, to be back to your reality, no matter what its problems are. You know, I suppose that's not that's not necessarily tr true for everyone. There's, you know, obviously like people who kids who go through s true severe traumas. But for the yeah. ordinary kid, you have a nightmare and you wake up to your reality and you're relieved to be there. They do serve a purpose. And that's the purpose they're serving for Coraline because, you know, her own reality, she's bored. She doesn't have anything to do. Her parents will pay attention to her. And that's um, 
it turns out it could be worse. And so she wakes up to the re that reality and she's relieved to be there. And, and in so doing, she learns to accept her parents on her parents' terms you know, for who they are. And that's an important life lesson, ultimately. So it's a moral of the story, but it also, I think, reflects what Gaiman thinks about, in fact, what purpose nightmares serve. But it's also a moral for kids. Have regard for what you have. You know, obviously a little fairy tale that has a little lesson for children. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. I have to be honest, the first novel I've, I can't remember the last novel I, I read because even before all the time I was taking up with comics and whatnot and films and before I started getting really back into films and comics, I was reading like a lot of popular science and psychology. And I think I've been spoiled by comics, you know. I found it quite, it was an easy one to read. Don't have me wrong. But at times I was like, can we just get on with it? Can we get on really? with it? Really? When, when, when is somebody going to punch somebody? Ugh. <laughs> where's the fucking explosions? <laughs> where's, right. ba where's Batman? Where's the costume? Where's the fucking Batman? <laughs> when, when, when's Batman going to fucking solve the problem? <laughs> God's sake, Colleen. Just, I don't know. Like, what's, what, like is, is, it, is it like a toxin that's making a hallucinate? Is that what it is? Yeah, right, so it's right. poisoned. And I do, like, it's, and the fault is mine. I was only <laughs> able to read it in, because the plan was, wasn't it, Tara? The, the plan that we supposed was half of Coraline on Monday, half of Coraline on Tuesday, graphic novel on the Wednesday, film on the Thursday with Friday spare us. Inevitably, that won't happen. I ended up just reading this all week. I, I mean, how long do you reckon it is? It's about... It's about three hours solid read, isn't it? From front to back. The novel? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very That's short. Fair. It's very simple <laughs> prose. Yeah, it's, it, and there's very That's little, there's thing. basically no world building. It's That's right cool. to the point. You can read it in, in one sitting. On that with world building, I like that it didn't try to explain itself. It just allowed mm -hmm. things to happen from page to page. And then nice short yeah. chapters as well for kids. Is that something they do in children? Or is it just unique to this? It's very common for children's books to have very short chapters. You know, and the reason for that is it allows kids like these benchmarks. They hit a chapter, there's an accomplishment to it. And it's also just mm -hmm. making these sort of smaller chunks of the kids. You know, they have difficulty sitting and paying attention. So it, it allows them to sort of get pieces of the story and to feel accomplished. So it's very common to have short chapters. I like that because I was fitting mm -hmm. it in wherever I could do. I would highlight the prose in this. It's very simple, very declarative, designed for children to understand. But, you know, Gaiman is, you know, he's no dummy. He knows that he's got a lot of adult fans, so he's going to have to appeal to them too. And I think with the simple prose, like I said, easy for kids to read, but for adults, a lot is left unsaid. A lot is there's a lot of subtextual meaning in this book. And I think that, you know, obviously that's purposeful, but you know, the subtext highlighted the, the sort of menace, the loneliness of the Coraline character. And I thought it was just lovely to read personally. The thing that I missed with reading a novel was the images that it creates in your mind involuntarily. Mm -hmm. That was a really nice experience for me. And it's strange mm -hmm. because you're just looking at paper with words on and you lose that and you sink mm -hmm. into the story at one with it, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Sort of like a different dimension, yeah. Not just yeah, looking at paper. Right. Mm -hmm. Passed into that dimension of storytelling. <laughs> yeah, it's its own realm that we're not in. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I think that's why I need novels regularly, even though I read the other stuff. I have to have novels interspersed there somewhere or I don't feel right. Same. Yep. I read a lot of novels, so. Mm -hmm. um, me too. For that, yeah. yeah so. This made me realize, especially now that I'm not worried about being a Wednesday warrior with the comics at all, that mm -hmm. yeah, I need to make time to read other things. I miss not learning stuff when I read. We're reading the popular science stuff. I've got a shelf full of it. I've got a book that's been half read for, I don't know, like six months. And I started reading in the morning instead of going straight on to social, well, not social media, because I'm not really a part of any of that anymore. 
let's say instead of doom scrolling on Instagram, I just say, well, we'll read for half an hour in the morning instead. So you still have mm-hmm. that wake up period and you can whip through a book in a week, just half an hour each day. Yeah. 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 That's yeah true. I did. I did feel like I'd been missing out on something. It was a very enjoyable experience. And I used to read mm-hmm. so much when I was young all the time. Like you're saying the Roald Dahl book. Cause it was the one thing my nan would always buy me if I wanted like a book because mm-hmm. I was yeah. learning something. Yeah. And also, okay. We'll talk about the graphic novel next. It made me realize comics isn't really reading. It's not. As much as I love comics, I have very eccentric to what people's appreciation of comics are. Yeah, there are some outliers. Like you gave me Berlin, you put me onto Berlin, didn't you? That was a great story. Of course, you have things like Mouse that have a literary. And, but even the best superhero comics or horror comics, it's an easy read. It is very easy. A novel awakens your mind. It makes it work. Comics are so passive. And like, I love comics, yeah. I do, but it's not reading. And that's how I felt when I read when I read it. A children's novel, and I struggled with, not struggled with it, but like, obviously not my mental capacity, but my, my patience, my attention wasn't like picking up a comic. Comics, to me, yeah, again, yeah. I fucking love them. It's not reading. I know in the old Stan Lee days, he took um, a responsibility to to teach kids stuff as well. So we'd use words that you wouldn't expect to be in a comic to try and at least expand the, the vocabulary, vocabulary. Of, the, of the young readers. But but yeah, I'm pretty solid on that opinion after having read. And again, it's just a children's novel. Like I should be reading more books because I don't think. Let's just say comics are a form of storytelling which in its own right has its own excellence but it's not reading that's how i, I, I like the way yeah just i think you're right to say that comics is a, is a very passive experience because mm. everything is is generated by someone else and just you you're exposed to it whereas you know reading first of all uh or reading a novel first of all you it's like any other thing where you have to flex that muscle you can't just mm. drop it and then pick it up you know five years later and expect to be you know as versed in it you it does take some practice to get back into reading prose and it's a very active experience you know you have to create these mental images you have to you have to infer things from the text in a way that you don't really in in comics so yeah Mm -hmm. i agree it's it's a it's active versus passive in a lot of ways yeah yeah that's a that's a good way of summing it up tim good stuff so on to the graphic novel now i I watched the film second, and we'll go into that more in detail next, but it changes things quite considerably. And there were some things I think works and some things I thought were disloyal to what I think gaming's intent was. However, the graphic novel, and again, I don't know if it just comes down to my recent history of reading, but it's superbly illustrated. I think Mm -hmm. my only criticism is, I think they make Coraline look a bit old. Yeah, she, she looks, looks like a teen, like, kind of. Yeah, yeah she, she looks like, look a, like a she looks like a flat-chested teen, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's beautifully illustrated. One of its biggest faults, and I realised this very soon on. Do you remember when you said beautifully, Tim, that Swamp Thing had a lot of purple prose, and I yeah. said. I realized very soon that all you needed to do was read the very first sentence before it over elaborated on everything, on every oh, text box. And, yeah. and you will be able to follow the story probably better because it's not quite as confuggled with the verbose way that it was written. Now, on mm-hmm. this, I realized that you don't need to read anything except for the speech bubbles because it's almost everything that was written in the book. Is on the page. So you have yep. like the ongoing narration, which is basically describing the illustration behind it. And I very quickly just started to read the speech bubbles. So I think it's a clumsy adaptation, but it's also a beautiful adaptation. And with this, it, it matched where I was, having read the novel first, the imagery in this matched 
my mental perception of what this story was a lot more than say the film did. Yeah, I agree. And um, I did think that the graphic novel brought a few things to the table that the original novel didn't. There were a few places where uh, they were talking about the thing that's specific in my mind is when the cat walks are out to the edges of the world there and they change, yeah. they're not fully created. And to yeah. see that along with hearing it, I thought was was nice. It's just the idea of a house. It's just the idea of a world. And you see it becoming sketchier in the actual sketch. Mm. Matt, I agree with you completely. It's a fairly clumsy adaptation in terms of the story. The art is great. It's very menacing. Mm. Um, the other mother is very creepy in the, yeah, in the yeah. graphic novel. Yeah. One thing that the graphic novel highlights that is certainly present in the novel and in the film, but it, when you see it on the page, it, it really does highlight this idea that her entire nightmare takes place in her home. It's always in her home. Mm -hmm. And that I think is like quite significant because that's the place where you're supposed to, you know, a place of safety, of refuge. It does add to that existential nature of her nightmare the fact that it's her home that is the source of her fear the illustrations in this really do highlight that fact and i'd like to with the original novel as well it wasn't shy about pushing the horrific nature mm -hmm. of the story it captures the ghoulishness who sent me slaughterhouse five was it it was you tim wasn't it it must have been tim yeah <clears throat> I don't know the story, but that was a fantastically adapted. 100%. Like, that is how you perfect. You sent me the one about the um, the slave trade, didn't you, Tara? Oh, Kindred. I sent you Kindred. Kindred. Again, I've not read the novel, but brilliantly mm -hmm. adapted. Did you watch the film? When is it that Octavia out? Butler? Is that Octavia Butler? Yeah, it is Octavia Butler. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorite books. I saw the series on Hulu. Oh, was it a series? Okay, yeah, 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 that must have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it good? It was, but they changed a lot. They had to change a lot. Oh, okay. In I had to learn to make peace with what they changed, yeah. Because that was brutal, chilling. Two great examples of how you do... Adaptations. Adaptation. Thank you, Tim. God, you're so beautiful. You're welcome. <laughs> They are two absolute primo examples of how you adapt a novel into a graphic novel. Yeah, but this clumsy, bit clumsy. Yeah, it's, it's not thoughtful in, the, in its adaptation. It, a lot of it's just like verbatim from the book. It's not, mm -hmm. yeah, I, it might be all of it is verbatim from the book. And I don't think it adds a lot other than if you've read the book and you're looking for ways that it could depart from it, you can find some subtle ones, but I don't think it adds mm -hmm. much to the to the conversation personally. And I think this would be a nice extra if you loved Coraline as a kid and then maybe somebody just gets you like a stocking filler at Christmas and this and yep. like a return to it in a different medium as opposed to it being mm -hmm. an, a, either an accompaniment or an enhancement of the original text. I didn't read it as its own text, as its own its own creation, its own work of art. I just found it as a sort of like, as you say, perfectly, it's a clumsy verbatim adaptation. Because we've done comics versus films in the past, haven't we? We did it for 30 Days of Night. We did it for From Hell. With this, I had to stop the film halfway through. I was like, and then I picked this up and I'm like, oh my God, it's the I'm reading the exact, I'm consuming the exact same story for the third time at this point. I'm not rereading the book. I'm just going to the speech bubbles. <laughs> I was like, I refuse to. And also, I think it missed a trick because the art is done in a very subtly leading way. That it's very much about the glances and then the disappearance of elements and the and the unspoken narration of the story. Mm -hmm. And it's really depicted rather well. And I think yeah. if it had been brave enough to be more concise and you just stripped all the the narrative text from it i think this could have been a killer adaptation if it just trusted its readers i very much had the feeling that the novel was a, a kid's novel 
this felt like a a graphic novel. Do you know what I mean? Like an all ages graphic novel. What has literary qualities and and what is literature and what's not? I mean, do we do we stop at Shakespeare? Do we stop at Dickens? Is is Harry Potter? Do you know what I mean? Like what? Where do you draw that line? I know that's like a bigger conversation, but you do just get a feeling for things, don't you? And the novel very much was one thing. And I think this graphic novel, if it trusted did its readership, then it could have been spectacular by well, trying to do more, but giving us less. Mm, interesting. Yep. Yep. So the film then, Tara. Well put. Uh, well, the film definitely departs in some ways. And it's enjoyable on its own. I found myself thinking about if I had seen the film and not read the other stuff, how would I have felt about it? Yeah, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I really like the way Coraline was her own protagonist through the other versions. And then the film, it's like they divided it into her and Wybie. Mm -hmm. And that bothered me because it was like, what are you saying? Like a girl can't carry the story alone? Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Especially if you're trying to tell children, you know, is it more relatable now because there's a girl and a boy? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Why wasn't it just because he didn't do anything extra? It's just they divided up some of the things she did into yeah. him and her. I've, I've found that a curious addition. And I even I looked always... up how he felt about it and he said he loved it, which surprised oh, really? me. Yeah. 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 I, I thought that was a curious addition because it felt like it was just holding water the whole way through. And I wondered if they were trying to create more compassion for the lost souls that way mm. by bringing more people into it, like his grandmother being related to one of them. I feel like they, they stripped quite in. Well, not a lot, but certainly a noticeable amount of agency from Coraline. I thought in uh, the book, she was yeah. driving the story, whereas in this, the environment was driving the story and she was a participant yeah. in the environment. She's um, more along for the ride in the movie, yeah. Yeah. It's almost as if each chapter could be like a 20-minute TV episode. Because the books go into the fantastical very quickly they take away the parents very quickly they mm -hmm. give her the dread and the despair and the futility of the situation very quickly with the film i felt that it was she goes to sleep this imagery they clearly make it that it's probably just her having nightmares where in the book it's a lot more the ambiguous i'm making eye contact with tim and of course he doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> and I just stare at you. Love when that happens. Oh dear. So yeah, but okay. Let me let me word it differently. I think with the book, they really do try and leave it open to interpretation. That mm -hmm. is this a fantasy story, or is it a young girl that's dealing with change and the impressions of change? And is it an, an expression of her emotional state, or is it actually a fantastical story? With the film, it's a lot more succinct. She always wakes up at the end of the experience. And even towards each interaction with the other realm, it's very much, it's not leaving the, God, I tried to find that word again now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you, you know what I'm saying, right? You know what I'm saying? Like the film wanted to package yeah. it neatly, scene mm -hmm. to scene. And the, the acceleration of the threat of the other realm as well, that came pretty quickly in the book, whereas this was a lot more lunchtime friendly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. In little bits. Did you guys notice that the person that did the adaptation was the same person that did Nightmare Before Christmas? Yeah, and Jane was a giant peach. Yeah. yeah. But it was a lovely looking film, wasn't it? It oh, was. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. striking visually. I went into it thinking it would stop motion, but then it was so smooth. I thought, is this actually CGI? Yeah. It was I that good. Yeah, it is excellent. It's very, very, mm -hmm. very well done. I think I did the film a disservice, though I would have done any of these a disservice had I done it last. Whatever was going to be last was going to get kind of short shrift. The short shrift, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was just like, okay, kind of like what you were saying, Matt's like, all right, this is now the third time I'm consuming a story in a couple of days. And so mm -hmm. I was impatient with the film in a way that I wasn't, yeah, I was you know, the novel, yeah. which I did first. And so I kind of, 
I give it a little bit of additional credit just because I was not in the proper space to consume the film, you know, because I consumed the story already twice, you know. Mm. I felt that the way Coraline in almost said live action in the stop motion, I felt that she was almost unnecessarily over expressive as well, considered to the book. I feel like in the book, she's she has the interactions with her with her parents, but but then again, I mean, you can't make a, a silent film, can you? Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. there's got to be more dialogue in the in a film, but I don't mm -hmm. know they took a little bit of the charm away from the character as well. She was more boisterous. She was a bit more bratty. And I thought that was in disservice to how the character was written. In terms of characterizations as well, I also didn't like the way that the parents were almost like pseudo villainry because that isn't at all how they're represented in the book. It's just that they're busy people trying to work to a deadline. Even the way that their the little models were made, there was dark cruelty to the way that they moved and the way that they looked, which isn't how I mm -hmm. pictured it at all when I was reading it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well put. I don't have anything to add to that, really. I don't either. So, yeah, completely. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't ever... <laughs> Do you have... Okay, let's... let's... <laughs> oh, dear, 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 dear. <laughs> what to do with a Matthew? Um, <laughs> what, how do we usually finish the episodes, Tim? Oh, that's it. Would we recommend it? Okay, so we'll go around. We should have done this at the end of each of each thing. The novel. Would you recommend? Okay, fuck here now. I'm chewing bricks here. As we like to say on this podcast, you can't seven out of ten watch something or read something or get things right on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So you either recommend it, you either read it, or you don't. So with the novel, quick yes or no, would you recommend the novel, Tim? Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. The end. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would recommend the novel as well. I think out of the three, that was my, but it could just be that I was the freshest when I read the novel. So now I'm second yeah. guessing myself. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd recommend it. I would recommend it. Graphic novel, Tim? No, I don't think so. It's not that it's bad. It's just there's so many other things to read, you know, the, mm, you know, and it's such limited time in life. I would read something else, but it's not bad. If you picked it up, I think you would have a good time, but I don't think I would recommend it, especially vis-a-vis -vis the other film in the, in Adaptations. the book. Yeah. I would say to someone to pick one or the other, not both. Mm. Yeah, exactly yeah. what I was going to say. I think it depends how, how you like to do your reading. I would recommend the novel over the graphic novel, but if someone just wants, if that's how people consume their content, then yeah, I wouldn't hold anyone back from reading it. I think for what it is, I would still 5149 recommend it. If you know what I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm yeah. that close. Yeah, I would. I, I'd still I, I'm like 4951, you know? Like, yeah, I like that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, the film, Tim. I definitely recommend the film. I think it uh, departs from the novel in interesting and sometimes fun ways. And it's just so lovely to look at and to observe. I would recommend the film. <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's our theme this week, the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Visually, it brought a lot of... I didn't necessarily come up with the same pictures in my head that they did in the movie. So that was kind of fun seeing someone else's pictures. Mm. And I, I feel a little better knowing that he was really thrilled with the adaptation too, because I was worried about the parts that took away from it. He thought that it balanced out the scary moments with some humor and he liked that about it. I I don't know if I would recommend it. It's hard, it's hard one, isn't it? I would say, Depends who wants to watch. I think kids would love it, wouldn't they? I think little girls would love it. I suppose that's who it's mm -hmm. made for. So yeah, why not? Let's recommend it. Let's finish on a positive. Yeah. <laughs> How would you guys rank these? Creatively, I would say... Oh, we've just been spoiled, though, haven't we, with films and whatnot. And like you say, with James and the Giant Peach and Nightmare Before Christmas, 
Mm, like if the say, other ones didn't exist, we might feel very differently. Yeah. Instead of it being one more. I have to do it contextually into the experience that I've had this week reading and watching. I would say probably novel, then graphic novel, then film. Whereas the graphic novel was almost lazy, the film was off-putting in the context yeah. of the novel. So that's where I am. What did you guys think about the voice casting? I thought there was a lot oh, of stunt yeah. casting and it took me out a little bit. Like I was busy listening for the real people. Oh, really? Like he, I, I Ian was... McShane was Mr. Bobo. I was busy seeing Ian McShane when I heard his voice. Really? I thought yeah, the, I completely the opposite. I felt the opposite. Yeah. I actually felt that, especially with French and Saunders and Terry Hatcher, Yeah, I love them. I had to keep checking who was who because they weren't just performing as themselves. They really did produce characters, the characters. With, their, with their own voice. And especially I, Jennifer Saunders, yeah. If I hadn't have known who they were, I wouldn't have been able to work it out personally. Who was Jennifer Saunders in this? Exactly. Uh, one was Miss Spink was... and one was Miss Forcible, but in the yeah. moment it was hard to tell. <laughs> I was kind of with Matt on this. Like I didn't get celebrity voice acting. I got good, characterization. I mm, and I thought Terry Hatcher was really good. I thought that uh, Other Mother was very well rendered personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you say, I thought she looked that when she became more and more evil, and that was mm -hmm. actually one of the canny things that it did, the, the representation of the sort of manifest of the other mother. She kind of looked more and more like Terry Hatcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good point. Yeah. Mm. yeah so, um, Tara, would you rank them differently or as Matt had? I actually would have ranked them exactly like Matt had. Like our reasons might be slightly different, but the ranking is the same for me. So yeah, I, I thought this was yeah very easy to rank, and I I depart from you guys. I I, I go novel, film, then the graphic novel. I think it, okay. to me to me the film was um, you know visually very interesting, and like we're talking about, I like the characterization. I think the rendering of the other mother, especially you know as the film goes on, she becomes like. They use that horror trope where, you know, the real other mother is actually a spider, a sort of evil right. spider. Sort of yeah, she definitely had spiders. Like yeah. You know, and all this mm. stuff. So I thought that that was kind of fun. Um, and I thought it, it was menacing. I thought the other mother was menacing. For those reasons, I would send someone to the film before I'd send them to the graphic novel. So I, I have a book or novel, uh, film, graphic novel. I think the graphic novel was scarier for me than the film, too. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, like the way the hand was depicted and all that kind of stuff. Creepier. Yeah, yeah. The hand definitely creepier. For something that essentially tells the same story three times, it's funny how out of sync they all are with each other. I would probably recommend <laughs> all three as a standalone, a standalone material. But uh -huh. I would find it very hard to recommend any two together, let alone Yeah, that three. would be a hard pick. It's almost like they're in conflict with each other, despite them being so similar. Hmm. If I had to pick two, I think it would be novel and movie for me. Like, I would definitely jettison the graphic novel first, if I had to. And if anything, I would change the order that I think... I would have had a more valuable experience had I watched the film first, then read the novel, and then the graphic novel. That's the order that I'd recommend people do it, if they were to. With the novel, especially with it being the original material, it really sets expectations. So with the film, you could watch it, because there's, there are such frequent and subtle differences, that then reading the novel, you'd be like, oh, okay, all right, I get it now. Yeah, yeah, that's where that came from. And all this bit's a little mm -hmm. bit different. But I think having this sort of very stern set expectations from the novel, it then led me to question what came afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that might be the thing, yeah. Right, is everyone happy with that? Yes. Yeah. Good, I like it when people are happy with that. <laughs> uh, we'd like to 
Say goodbye to people, Tim. Yes, goodbye, dear listener. Listeners. <laughs> we'll be back next week with another uh, Neil Gaiman and looking forward to that. So, I will be that confident, Tim. I was going to say the end. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. The, the next episode, whenever it is, we'll we'll uh, have another Neil Gaiman. So. Yeah, and next week will be Miracle Man before we finish off with How to Talk to Girls at Parties and what's it called? Seven Brides? Not Seven Brides. The Vampire Wars. Yeah, I, I forget. It's a long title, but seven it's a very long The Forbidden Brides, Tim. That's what we're going to yeah, do. Yeah, okay. The Forbidden Brides and How to Talk to Girls at Parties and the film of How to Talk to Girls at Parties. Tara, say goodbye, please. Goodbye, dear listeners. <laughs> and thank you, everybody yes. who's come along with us to this part. Go ahead. Confidence. <laughs> I like it. That only leaves me, part of your regular co-hosting team, Matt. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Remember, guys, click the like and share. I don't know you hear it on every podcast, and I understand that. But we really, we really need it. Like your one click on somebody with a millions, with a millions of followers, they don't even fucking know you're there. But we will, we'll notice you, and we'll love you, unless you're mm-hmm. naughty or you've got like a criminal tendency. But other than no, we even <laughs> want you. Like everyone deserves a podcast, and maybe that'll that's what will set you straight. Us three <laughs> talking about a children's book. <laughs> right. So please click it, share it comment on it and whatever else there is i don't know just podcast stuff for us please okay thank you very much remember we're also on youtube the end one shot and twitter and instagram for the end underscore pod i'm your regular co-host matt that leaves me one thing to say we have been and this is the end I've never heard of chewing bricks before. Tasty.